take the sword of the Lord, which is the word of the Lord, and turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. I want to speak to you this morning on this man called Abraham. And perhaps I would do that for several uh, weeks. I know that at least this week and next week. I, I want to talk to you about this business of living a life of faith that works. And this Hebrews 11 has to do with uh, numerous people of Scripture whose testimonies are before us as an example of their faithfulness to God and His faithfulness to them to tell us that if He did it for them, He'll do it for us. Hebrews 11. Now, while you find it, this Wednesday evening I'll be teaching a class on church membership in room A103 from 7 o'clock. And we'll have a regular Bible study here and all the other places of ministry. If you're interested in church membership and you want to know what we're about, who we're about, what God is saying, where we're going, what is our doctrine, it's a good place to come and be informed. Next Sunday morning at the close of the first service, I'll give membership opportunity. Uh, in order to become a member, we request that you attend class. And so if that's your intent to join the church eventually and you haven't attended class as yet, we, we ask that you register at the atrium this morning before you leave and let me know about your intent to come. It's a wonderful class, very informative, and gives us the context of knowing what God is doing here with us. I want to read from verse 8, please. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of the promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith Sarah, this would be Abraham's wife, obviously. By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him who is God faithful who has promised. Therefore from one man, this would be Abraham, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. You drop down a few verses to number 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Now, I want you to pray for me for a few moments here and before you're seated, because I have no desire for us to just have church or play church and you didn't come just to be seen and heard we need some things that only God can do amen but I have a desire to be used of the Holy Ghost and want you to be blessed I, I want before you leave here this morning for those mountains in your life to be a little bit lower I don't want to be a little bit lower I want to be cast in the sea that's really what I want I want whatever you brought to church this morning that you don't need to take home unto the work tomorrow I want God to do that for you and God can do it so I want you and I to be one in the word I don't want you to have any struggle listening and hearing and I don't have any struggle delivering but I want God to make us rich in His Word. Point your hands to me, would you? And, and do me that honor for praying for me, and I will for you for about 30 seconds. Our oh, Father, the anointing still is here. It was here in the first service. It's here now. You've never left us, O oh God, and you are even right here now. Thank you for dropping the charges of sin in my life and all of our lives. And now would you open up the revelation of your Word to all of our minds and our hearts and understanding? 
May the devil not fight us to get the word. May he not distract us, O oh God. I pray, that, I pray that you would make us of one mind and one spirit in the word of God. Uh, Lord, I pray that symbolically, even figuratively, that the word of God will leap out from the pages into our hearing. And that you would quicken us, O oh God. Uh, and Father, you know what we need. You know what our mountains are. You know what, how deep our valleys are. You know how wide our oceans are. You know what our impossibilities are. But we also know that you can do all things. And so we cast our cares on you. And we thank you for your anointing. And everybody say amen. Amen. amen as you're seated in the presence of the Lord. L- let me use for today's subject, going, not knowing. And, and I get that from verse 8, please. And you keep your Bibles available and open, perhaps. And last part of verse 8, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Now, I, I begin this, this lesson this morning with this question. What does it take to receive God's approval? Perhaps I could explain it this way. Or rephrase it. What does it take to make God happy? Because we live with the assumption that if we can make God happy, He'll make us happy. I know I've lived with that sometimes. If I could get God's approval, His stamp, His okay, then He'll turn around and, and help me. So what you find is throughout history, many people have tried to figure out ways that, uh, that they can get God's approval for their lives. So in order to make God happy, folks have decided to do more good than evil, which is obviously always right. To do no evil at all is better. To make God happy, some folks decided they need to dress in a certain kind of way. To make God happy, some people have believed that they should have certain dietary restrictions. Nothing wrong with that. To make God happy and get His approval, some people believe you ought to pray numbers of times during the day. Nothing wrong with that either. We may pray too infrequently as it is. To make God happy, there are those who believe that you should perform certain religious duties as prescribed by one's faith. For example, going to church, which I'm glad you came today because this is how you grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You come to church to be edified, to be informed, to be empowered. So nothing wrong with that. But if that's the only reason why you come is to get God's approval, then we miss the, the whole purpose of what it takes to get God's approval. And there are even people who will perform acts of terrorism and kill those they consider to be God's enemies in all an attempt to gain God's approval. It's rather tragic to think of all the needless pain and suffering that has been caused by people trying to make God happy. And when I think about what it really takes to get God's approval, I find that the answer is already given to us in the same chapter of the same book that we noted this morning, and it will be found in Hebrews 11 and 6. For here the Word of God says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So please, without being too complicated, but yet too simplistic, let me tell you, That faith in God is what pleases God and what gains His approval. Amen? Amen. Without faith in God, the Scripture says, we can do nothing. The underlying thought is, why believe in a God that you don't believe in? Kind of, I know, it's like an oxymoron in it. Head knowledge, but not really heart commitment. I believe because He tells me to believe, but I really am not sure. Well, let me see if I can put it this way. Why go to a banker and a bank and make requests for a loan or assistance if you don't believe that they have the capacity to help you? 
For he who comes to God, Hebrews eleven six, must believe that he is. God is not wanting to be patronized. He's not wanting to be soothed or stroked. The first step for you and I to go in faith and get everything we need from God is that we must believe that God does exist. Whether I see Him, feel Him, touch Him, or even smell the fragrance of His existence, I believe that God is, period. But further, he says, not only does He exist, but He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Why go to a physician if you don't believe he or she can help you? Why go to an attorney if you don't believe he or she can help you? And Paul, whom we believe to be the author of the book of Hebrews, says, this key to getting God's approval is that you must believe that God is. And he rewards your diligence in seeking him. Now here's the next question for us. What is faith? I like the way it's rendered in the New Living Translation, Hebrews 11 and 1. It says that faith is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot yet see. I also like the way the King James puts it, for faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things we've not seen. Faith. Faith is believing that I'm going to get up tomorrow morning. I can't see tomorrow. But I know who holds it. I'm going to get up. Faith is believing that I cannot, I cannot see that far ahead, but I believe the sun's going to rise and the sky is going to be blue and God's going to take care of me tomorrow. In other words, not to be too simplistic, but again to describe what faith is. Faith is expecting the best and believing that God can bring something good out of the worst situations of our lives. That's faith. Faith is believing that God can use you and I to make a difference in our world, our circle of influence, and in this world. Whether we feel like we are a nobody or nothing, God doesn't make junk. He made us for His glory. Let me expound. Faith is taking advantage of the fresh starts that God makes possible to us and available every day. Again. Every morning you and I get up is a morning that hundreds of thousands of other people didn't make it to around the world with seven billion people. Every time we get up in the morning and we are in our right mind, we go about our daily functions without any external or internal assistance. That's another opportunity that faith is alive in us and working. Faith is the ability to step out. And take a risk in what God has called you to do and be, even though the devil would discourage you in doing and being what God has called you to do and be. Faith, in other words, says to the devil, and you know the devil works 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and leap year too, whatever that means. The devil has been doing what the devil has been doing long before you and I ever knew about a devil. And his task is, as Jesus described in John 10 and 10, for the thief who is the devil comes to steal and kill and destroy. That's what he comes to do. If God says you can do it, the devil says you can't do it. If God says he's going to heal you, the devil says he ain't going to heal you. If God says he's going to bless your finances, the devil says he's not going to bless your finances. If God says he's going to deliver from drugs, alcohol, and sexual promiscuity and made you all these promises in the Bible, the devil will say God will do it for everybody else, but he won't do it for you because he's a lying devil. But faith says... 
I don't see it yet. I don't feel it yet. God hasn't given me a deadline. But because of all that God has done for me from yesteryear even to now, even though God does not explain himself for me, to me, I am going to resist the devil. I am going to fight the good fight of faith. I'm going to keep reading my Bible, going to church, praying, and giving to God because God is not a God that he would lie. If he's ever been true to you, give him praise. Now, 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 what I, here, here, faith is obeying God. Here, four ways you got to obey God. This ain't even the sermon, just the introduction. Faith is obeying God immediately, completely, joyfully, and continually. That's whoop glory right there. Yeah. That's a whole sermon. I'm going to say it again. Faith means even though I can't see Him, feel Him, touch Him at times, I am going to obey God immediately, completely, joyfully, and continually. I find that kind of level of obedience in the person of Abraham. There are many other examples, but the Holy Spirit has drawn my attention to bring it to your attention this morning on the subject of going and not knowing about this man Abraham and how he walked out a life of faith that helps me to walk out my life. One of the first things I see is that Abraham responded. When God called, he obeyed. And so for you to write down and remember, as, as you walk out your life, I don't care where you are as far as age or experience, as you walk out God's will for your life, when God speaks to you, obey him. He will speak to you through a sermon. He will speak to you through his word. He will speak to you through a song. He will speak to you through a dream. He will speak to you through a vision. He will speak through you, yes, through your mama. And look out, guys, even your wife. I always test it when he speaks to me through my wife. She's not here today. She's not, not well, but she's getting better. She's getting better. So say a prayer for her. But, yeah, I always do. Is this you, God? <laughs> Normally she'll say, you don't have to test it, it is God. <laughs> and, and perhaps 99.9, she's right. Let's leave that alone. God calls Abraham. Here's the call. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Look at the screen. I'll read it. You follow as I read. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, back then he was known as Abram, get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And he goes on and says to him, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I would say that's a pretty big call, isn't it? Actually, God was telling Abraham, I want you to leave everything that you've known to this point in your life I want you to leave your security that you're accustomed to, your family that you're accustomed to, your friends, even if you own property. I want you to leave all that in order to go to the place that I am going to show you. I'm calling you. And if you'll notice the, the, the verse, God left the destination to which Abraham was being called vague. He did not tell him where his final destination would be. So he says to Abraham, leave all behind, come and follow me, and I will bless you. Now, how would you respond to that? I suspect if you're like me, I would have uh, some struggle 
with God challenging me. Family, friends, environment, associations, acquaintances. They call me. I want to bless you, but you you got to obey. Now, if you take notes, you need to observe this. Choosing to obey can mean leaving one's comfort zone. Did you hear me? Yeah. So sometimes God will ask us to do something in a response to a prayer we have made to Him. God, I want you to bless my finances. And He'll say to us, then I want you to obey me in the tithes and offerings. God, I want you to bless my marriage. Well, He says, I want you to obey me and wait and don't file the divorce papers yet. Even though you have moral grounds and legal grounds, I want you to trust me and wait. Well, God, I want to improve myself with my job and my vocation and my income and my status. Well, God says, I want you to finish high school or I want you to finish college. And God even says, you've been praying to me to start your own business. And now I want you to go ahead and trust me. And if we've never had to do something like that before, some of the things that we say to us, oh, my Lord. Lord, I can't. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm not ready. I'm too busy. I have too many other things to do. But you know, deep down inside, when God challenges us in response to prayer, we're kind of like my grandson, Lakeland. You know, if you have grandchildren, you work them into your sermons. (laughs) He's two years old. And so he's touching and feeling and moving. (laughs) God must have a sense of humor. I'm 55 and he's two and he put us together. (laughs) So I'll say to Lincoln, hey, go ahead, son. Go ahead. Do that. You can do it. You can. But I can't, Papa. I can't. And he has the whole gesture. He has the whole body language. He kind of does like this. But Papa, I can't. I think he learned that from his daddy, you know. He got all that kind of, you want to go, oh, bless his little heart. He sure can't, can he? I can't, Papa. And what Lakeland really is saying is, I don't want to, Papa. If I try a little harder, I can. But I want you to do it for me, Papa. Can I get a witness from all the Papas and Mamas? And so sometimes, sometimes God is, is stretching us a little bit. And we're saying to God, uh, I don't want to. It's not I can't. I don't want to. Even though the situation is going to involve a little risk in leaving our comfort zone, what we're saying is when God challenges us and we don't, we don't obey Him, we're saying, I don't want to change. I don't want to sacrifice. I don't want to stretch. I don't want to leave my comfort zone. Some of you are in this church worshiping God today because you had to leave your former comfort zone to get into a setting like this that God led you to. Some of you were the same kind of people who thought we were a bunch of holy rollers, we Pentecostals. Some of you, you came because a baby was going to be dedicated or somebody going to be baptized in water and then made you come. It was Mother's Day or somebody died and you thought, I heard about them holy rollers. They'll sprinkle pixie dust on you and they'll go kind of saying all kind of tongues, stuffing tongues. You thought, you thought, you know, you thought I'm going to sit near the back. You kind of like Wendy Bagel when we went to a church up in, in Kentucky that was an old time Pentecostal church, but there were snake handling people up there. They'd bring out the snake at the height of the service and have them do the boxes and then give them out to people to handle them. And Wendy Packwell said he wasn't aware of that. He wasn't, he was up there, he was a singer. They had their bus drove up and they brought their group and they caught it. They were singing away and the glory came down. Folks started running and dancing. Next thing you know, somebody brought him a snake. 
He thought, my God, that back door's too far. Reckon where they want a back door this way. You heard all kind of stuff about Pentecostals, but this Pentecostal, do not handle snake. If you bring a snake to this church, you take it right to Pastor Jeff. If you bring me a snake, you better bring a hoe or a hammer or a shotgun. First I'm going to shoot the snake and then I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> Forgive me, Brother Will. Really... You thought, getting them Pentecostals. You, you, I'll never clap my hands like that, bless God. I'll never raise my hand like that. I'll never have that little Indian saying that goes, whoop glory. But I want to tell you something. We ain't here about our whoop glories, and we ain't here about emotion. But we are the kind of people, when God dropped the charges, when God healed our body, when the doctors couldn't do it, when God paid our bills, when the bank couldn't do it, when God delivered our sons and daughters from jail and prison and alcohol, we got to clap. We got to raise our hands. We got to run and dance because God has blessed us so good. If he's blessed you, give him some praise. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. So that's why we have, you have to leave your comfort zone every once in a while. Yeah. You pay 50 bucks for a brave ticket on opening day. See if you just sit down and shut up with a bunch of peanuts in your hand. Bless God, you paid 50 bucks, you are going to get your money's worth. And I don't know what you tithe and give today. <laughs> I can go over there and stay there a while. But I don't mind you shouting more than you gave. Because God blesses more than he, we give. Can, but here, here's my, my saying is, I'm not here just because I want you to shout and get carry on. But I'm talking about there are times when the Spirit moves. And he says, now's the time for your healing. Now's the time that you, you go in that prayer line. Now's the time you step out and praise me. Now's the time you step and leave your comfort zone and let your pride die and give me the glory. Because you see, nothing brings the presence of God any faster in our lives than when we praise Him, whether we feel like it or not. Makes the devil mad when you read the Bible and you, 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 he would rather you read some kind of magazine because he knows that if you're reading the Bible, the Word of God will get in you and faith will rise up. Nothing makes the devil more mad than when you go to church whether you feel like it or not. When you give whether you feel like it or not. When you serve whether you feel like it or not. But all the time while you're doing that, you are heaping up your, for yourself blessings of which God will pour in your life when you need it most. Obey anyhow. Tell your neighbor, obey anyhow. And so what I find here is that we, I like what Abraham did. Look, look, if you will, please. It's on the screen. Genesis 12 and 4. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Unless you think that your age is a limitation to your obedience, the Bible said that Abraham was, Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. You're never too old for God to use you. You're never too young for God to use you. You're never too financially low or, 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 or successful or whatever else you may think you are. For God to use you if you're willing to be available. Let me show you about Abraham's obedience very quickly. Hebrews 11 and 8, our text. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to the place which he would receive as inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Sometimes God won't tell you the destination's final place of abode. Because if he tells you, you're going to figure, i got to go through mountainous regions. I got to go through barren deserts. I got to go through wild and I'm a preaching little Indian. Have you all ever seen one? Yeah. 
I'm going to have to, my God, I'm going to have to study late. I'm going to have to work two jobs. And, and, and all, if God tells us where he's eventually going to get us, some of us going to quit before we get there because we figure we can't do it. So sometimes he just says, you go and you keep going and keep praying and believing. And I'll tell you, you're there when I'll get you there. Somebody say amen. Here's a second thought from Abraham. When God delays, wait patiently. Have you ever been in a hurry when God wasn't? Go ahead and say yes. Have you ever thought that you have a slow motion God? Hey, Will, I like to look at that show on TV, National Geographic Windows with the target shooting and rifles and all. And they, they, they get competition between different groups of people and then they shoot and then instantly they hit the target but then they slow the motion down really slow and you could see how precise God is rarely in a hurry hello I have a confession to make and if you say amen, it means that you got the problem too. I am eaten up with impatience. God, drop the charges, Lord. Yeah. If my wife was here, she'd have had her own little whoop glory, amen. Uh, my prayer about patience is God give me patience right now. But you know what God often does when I ask? For patience, he gives me practice. For example, none of us like to wait. The longest stoplight in Coweta County is at the Walmart Longhorns intersection up there where the barbecue place is. How you know that, Mr. Preacher? Because I've been there, sat there, and done that at every possible direction one can wait on a light. Does these three lights have a green on them? <laughs> We're that way. I mean, you get up the light and, and then when the light does come and you got somebody behind somebody, ain't moving, you're thinking, ain't they got no colors you like? <laughs> Don't you adopt my bad ways. I'm just telling you, pray for me. I mean, you could sit there in July waiting on the light to turn green singing, Santa Claus is coming to... You're laughing because you're the same kind of way, aren't you? Do, do you ever go to the store to buy a few items, to go to the cash register, and to get out very quickly? And when it comes your turn at corral number 10 to get you a few items, the cash register tape runs out. So the kind cashier flips on the light, which radios a lady or a man on a walkie-talkie in several counties away to come and change the tape. Forgive me. Pray for me. I'm eating up with it. You know, I am going to get older one day. 
I'm already old, but I'm going to get older one day. Slow drivers is what I'm talking about. When I get older, I'm a, I see these senior citizens, and they buy the biggest car on the car lot. It's long, it's wide. It's not even been commissioned by the U.S. Army as a legal tank. And they will drive 20 miles an hour. And there's two lanes, but they somehow have this big car that takes a half of this lane. And I'm close enough to that tag to reach the fine print. I'm going to get old one day. And I'm going to need patience. And you know, you don't mess with them senior adults. You, you, you honk your horn, they'll slow that big tank slower. They drop down about 10. I'll show you. I'll pay my taxes. Hey, we, we spoiled. We got iPhones, iPads. Some of you are sitting there thinking, when is that man's jets and engine going to wind down? Because you already, you already lost your patience with me. You know, if I know you're in a hurry, I'm going to preach longer. <laughs> just kidding. Just, just teasing. We have all these instant stuff, instant messaging. Can't get it fast enough. I think it's wonderful to have cell phones where you can pick up your cell phone and call your loved ones like I like to do my daughters on occasion, but they don't answer when I dial. Yours too? Yeah. It's like if the phone rings and it even has caller ID that says daddy, it means ignore until he texts. So I got to take these fat fingers and touch these minuscule little buttons and I'm eating up. Why don't you just answer the phone? I put you through college. I paid for your wedding. Yeah, I, feel, I feel better. I feel better. I'll even drink to that. And then, with God, now it's God. He is rarely in a hurry. Every once in a while, you answer prayer like that. But most of the time, Abraham, at 75 years old, was told, and when you go, later on, God told him, he says, look, I didn't just let you leave your family. I got, I got blessings for you. One of the ways I'm going to bless you, I promise, is I'm going to give you an heir, a son. And out of that son, who eventually we come to know him as Isaac, I am going to bless you with more sons and more daughters. I mean, in grandchildren, obviously, and great-grandchildren. And God, God took him out on a starlit night, sort of like last night was. And, and you know the story, so I won't, I won't uh, delay it. But, but God says, I want you to go out of your tent. It's a starlit night. I want you to go a little ways from your tent. I want you to look up in the sky, and I want you to just number the stars. Just count, count, count stars. Abraham didn't get too far in that exercise of counting stars when his frustration says, but God, there are too many. I can't count them. God says, that's the reason I asked you to count, because I want you to know, as innumerable as the stars are in the skies, so innumerable is going to be the product of your seed. I'm going to bless you with so many, you can't count them. Well, how is it going to happen? I'm going to give you a son. Now, now here we go. It was, God tells him that at 75 years old. It's 25 years before Isaac comes. Uh, God, God's asking, um, Abraham's asking God all along the way, but what about, what about my son? Well, 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 well uh, God, you told, me, you told me that Sarah, who hasn't had a child uh, up until this time, well, you told us we're going to have a son, so I guess we, we need to do our part. You know what I'm thinking? I may know you have a part in some things, and especially if you're going to have children. Okay, okay, okay. Let's, uh, okay. 
I'll do our part. Me and Sarah, we, but ain't nothing happening. And, and what I find out in this business of when God delays, wait patiently, I find two things that I need to learn from Abraham, and I'm going to see if I can hasten to tell you. Number one, when God delays, don't take matters in your own hands. That's exactly what Abraham and Sarah did. He was 86 years old when his wife Sarah said, it doesn't look like God is going to give us a son. Maybe we should help God out a little bit. Since I am not able to bear a child, I have a servant. Her name is Hagar, a slave from Egypt. I am going to give you permission and authority for she to become your wife. You have sexual relations with her. Perhaps she'll conceive, and out of that conception will be born to us a child, favorably a son, and that will be God's answer. And it happened. They were celebrating Ishmael. We did it. We did it. God heard, heard our prayers. God said, you didn't do it. That's not my plan. It's not Ishmael. And so, what God, what God was saying... Is wait on me. I have a time and purpose. What we have is, since they premeditatedly presumed upon God's plan and worked out their own, Ishmael was born. And the seed of Ishmael has been at conflict with the seed of Abraham, Isaac, ever since that time till now. From that we have all the turmoil in the Middle East against the Jews. And Palestinians. Because Abraham and Sarah elected to help God out. I have also, I've tried to help him. I have, re- I have given him suggestions. I have told him so many times exactly how he could do this. I have, I have written it out in my prayer journal. I have called on my face. I have cried because my heart was broken. I have even faked tears so that he would be able to understand uh, this is how it needs to be done. Can I get a witness, somebody? And, and, and I, I'm just saying to you is that here's what happens, though. Whenever I've tried to help God, I've dug a deeper hole for my own self. Whenever I've tried to play God and help God and assist God, I like what Willie Terrell says, one of our elders. He is God and he's God all by himself. Whenever you and I try to help God out, we we create a greater problem, a greater pain, and a greater struggle. And here's something else I want you to see about when God delays, wait patiently. Don't focus on the obstacle. Focus on God, what God can do. Can I get another amen? Very, yeah. Now, I know this maybe seems simple, simple, simple faith, but that's really what it takes. Because if you focus on the debt and the fact that you have limited assets and you look at the checkbook and all you see is minus or red, 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 your faith is going to be diminished. But if you, don't, if you focus on God and you remember that last month you had some red, but God turned it into black. And about uh, and that time you didn't have a job. And while 300 people were trying for the same job, God opened the door and gave you favor. When you go back and you count your blessings, can I get an amen? When the doctor said the child will be born, but it will have an illegitimate kind of health thing. Not, not maybe so much as far as biologically, but health will be impaired, I should say is a proper word. Maybe there will be a handicap. But you, you anointed, you laid hand on your wife and your wife, and you prayed together over her womb. And 
God after the baby came there haven't been any kind of problem when you go back and you count your blessings and you you focus on God God I've been in a bad place before I've been unhealthy before I've been out without work before I've had doubt before the devil has attacked me before but every time I prayed and I waited and I left it in your hands you always showed up on time he is an on time God give him some more praise how do you know it Abraham Abraham says okay I am going to focus on God I messed up with Ishmael but look what the Bible says in Romans 4 and 18 Abraham who contrary to hope in hope believed in faith in God so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken so shall your descendants be Look at Abraham focusing not on the impossible, but on God. Here's what it says in Romans 4.20. Look on the screen. This kind of faith I want. I want you to have. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he, God, had promised, he was able to perform. God is able. I'm telling you, the solution is right here in this house. I know you got to go to work tomorrow. I said, I told you, God is able. Uh, Abraham could have said, Lord, if you focused on the impossible, Lord, I'm a hundred years old. Sarah is ninety. How can I? Induce a seed into my wife's womb. My wife who's been infertile for decades. And there be a son. But the Bible says that Abraham did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief. And because he chose to focus on God and God's word and God's faithfulness for the last 100 years, God showed up. Every one of you have got a testimony. Did you hear me? Every one of you have got a testimony. Get it out, brush it off, dust it off, put it in your face, stick it on the refrigerator, put it on the visor in the car, put it in your inside pocket. Get you some words from God, some words of life and energy, because I know all His words are life, but pick out some select words of God and fix your mind on the Word. Okay, okay. I know, I don't have to get all riled up. Yes, I do. When God tests your faith, trust Him completely. Let me say this to you. If you live in, your, in a house of flesh, and all of us do, we don't yet have a glorified body, tests, trials, difficulties are par for the course. Can I get an amen? Okay. And when God tests us, it isn't because He wants to drown us or kill us or laugh in our face and say, you're nobody. When God tests us, it's to prove our faithfulness so that he could prove his faithfulness. When God tests us, it's because he wants to stretch us. When God tests us with $100 and we put him first, he knows he can trust us with $500 as the test. When God tests us with an affliction or sickness in our body and we pray and we seek God and we plead the blood and we trust him and he knows then that we can also take the testimony of our own healing and put it on somebody else and bless and pray for them. There's a reason for God's test. You will be tested. Abraham was told by God when Isaac was about 12 years old, go, take him to Mount Moriah. We later know it to be Mount Moriah. Take your 12-year-old son. Offer him as an act of worship. Wait a minute, God. Wait, wait, wait. You told me to send Ishmael away. 
I was waiting on Isaac for 25 years. The promised child. Uh, now you tell me to go kill him? What kind, of, what kind of God are you? And here's, here's Abraham again. It's, it's the flesh and the spirit wrestling. You and I would be the same way. Come on and give me an amen. When God calls us to leave a comfort zone. huh? When God tests us. I want you to... I want you to I want you to be a missionary. I want you to be a preacher. I want you to be a teacher. I want you to be a singer. I, wa- I-, I-, I want you to visit the nursing home and minister. I want you to have a jail ministry. I want you to send cards. I, wa- I want you to... Other kinds of things. I-, I-, I, want you- I want to use you. I want to stretch you. God's testing us. And, and matter of fact, let me back it up before I get to that. I wanted to give you a scripture that I thought was on the screen. Look what the Bible says. Chapter number 11, verse number 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, Isaac, in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up from the dead. Again, you know the story. Abraham takes his son. He travels for three days. He takes some servants. He puts some wood on the back of the donkey. His 12-year-old, his whole, he's crying most of the way, but he's not crying so that Isaac can see him. You know, just like God to give you the blessing you want, then the devil says he's taking it from you, and all God's doing is testing you. Come on, somebody. If God gives you the test, he'll give you the capacity to pass the test. He didn't have to kill Isaac. You know the story. What had happened with Abraham is that he'd been waiting on this boy for 25 years. He finally comes. Abraham's affection switched. There was more affection towards 12-year-old Isaac than there had been with God. Abraham wasn't praying as much as he spending much time with God as he was. Having fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. He, was, he had, he had uh, unwittingly and uh, uh, unintentionally made an idol. And that's where some of us are. We've got idols. I have had them. I don't mean little carved images, brass and stone and gold. I'm talking about people, children, money, sports, hobbies. And when God found out that Abraham was willing to take his only child and offer it up, God says, I didn't want the boy, I wanted you. Welcome back, Abraham. So what I'm telling you is, You trust God. And then finally, and I close with this. When God delivers and answers your prayer, remember to rejoice. I'm just going to touch on it right here, but I'm going to pick it up from here next week. Every time God brings Abraham through a test, a trial, an attack, the onslaught of the enemy, the kidnapping of Lot and his family... Uh, uh, Every time Abraham gets a victory from an answered prayer, he builds an altar. Did you hear me? Look at, read about the life of Abraham. Once, twice, three times, four times. I think up to even eight different times in his life. You know, he lived to be 175 years old. And every time God brought him through one valley, over one mountain, through one dark place, through one affliction or other kind of adversity, when God answered his prayer, he took the time to say, thank you, God, 
It wasn't my money. It wasn't my intellect. It wasn't my mama. It wasn't my daddy. It wasn't even my preacher. God, I'm going to build me an altar. I'm gonna, I, oh, come on, help me, somebody. I'm going to find me someplace where I can take some time and say, God, I would not have made it here. I would have died if it wasn't for your grace. Give him praise with me. Stand to your feet, everybody. And after you stood, help me praise him one more time. Come on. Put your hands together. Come on, put your hands together. Come prayer team. I want all my prayer team, if you're available, come in Jesus' name. Oh, my, 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 my. Now listen to me. Here's what the Holy Spirit told me to tell the first service. So I think what's good enough for the first service is good enough for this service in light of this revelation. You don't get all you're going to get that you need for this week from this service. You'll get a lot, but you won't get all you need. Today, for many of you, as I told the first service, because the Holy Spirit told me to tell them, the Holy Ghost is going to call you aside for a few minutes of interaction with Jesus, with the Word and prayer. Please hear me now. You've been praying about certain issues, certain challenges, certain impossibilities, certain fears, certain shortcomings, certain addictions, some, somebody you love, some valley you're going through, some mountain you're climbing. And the Lord says, look, if you want to know how to overcome, it begins with relationship with the Father. So you may have to turn off the television. You may have to turn off the cell phone. You may have to turn off the iPad. Can, can you hear me? I'm not calling you to all-night prayer unless the Holy Ghost does. Sometime between now and sunrise tomorrow morning, I believe because you came to church and you heard the Word, God's going to test whether or not you believe the Word by calling you aside and saying, I don't want you to spend this time with your wife, your children, your grandchildren, TV. I want you to give me 10, 15, or 20 minutes. You take your Bible, and I want you to hear from me. How many of God speaks to that way? Huh? huh? And, and, and it's not that God's not answering. It's sometimes we're just not responding. Bow your heads, please. Pastor Matura, I want to, as, we, as you pray this morning, I want you to pray that I would be in right relationship with God. Because I understand everything rises and falls on my relationship with Him. I must believe that He is, and He's a rewarder. And Pastor, I haven't always diligently sought Him. I have sought the yellow pages and who I could find. I have sought the doctor. I have sought the lawyer. I have sought other things. But I really need to, to build a deeper and closer relationship with God. That means if you're going astray, you can come back to Jesus. Pray, Christians, in your spirit. That means if you feel like you've been in a, a spiritual wilderness and dry and a desert, you can't even feel God. He wants you to keep pressing on. Pastor, I need his closeness like I've known it before. Nobody looking. That would just be you and God. Raise your hand and say, remember me as you close in prayer. Hold it, hold it up a moment. Many hands. Many hands. Thank you. You may put them down. Put them down and heads bowed. And I, and I do not ask you to do this to patronize me. I ask you to do this to test your faith. God is testing your faith. You say, Pastor, you confess that you've been impatient. I confess I'm impatient. I have taken matters in my own hand when I shouldn't. I have blamed somebody else for things that were my own premature decisions, faults. 
Pastor, I need patience from God to wait on Him and trust Him. Because I've got things that only He can solve. Raise your hands if that's what you, your prayers is. Thank you. Thank you. Hold them up a moment. Just a moment. Put them down. I see them and I, I know that God sees them most. Heads about and eyes closed. For whatever you raise your hands for, whomever you represent this morning, I don't want you to leave here like you came in Jesus' name. When I start praying, you start praying in Jesus' name. I want, when I take authority, I want you to take authority. God's not going to mock you with promises He won't give you. So now everybody else who would step out of your comfort zone, lift up both your hands to the Lord and begin praying right now over your needs. Lift up your voices. Come on, lift up your voices. Even lift your head to the Lord. Pray above a whisper so, so you can drown out the devil's doubt when he tries to... Come on, you're doing good. Father, I now pray with the church. I pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. I pray, O oh God, because you said to us, Ask and it shall be given. Seek and we shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. God, I pray against doubt. I pray against fear. I pray against anxiety. Come on, say amen to that church. Father, I pray against impatience. I lift my hands and I confess... That, God, I have taken things in my own hands and in my own decision, acting like I'm in charge, only to mess it up. And I ask you to forgive me and forgive us. Because the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and walk and not faint. So now, pray over yourself, church. I plead the blood over yourself. I plead the blood over my marriage. I plead the blood of Jesus over my mind. I plead the blood in the name of Jesus over my finances, over my job, over my body. Come on, saints. Get a little, get a little bit deliberate here with me. Get a little bit of a spiritual warfare going on. Devil, you will not have my children. Devil, you will not have my health. Devil, you will not have my income. Devil, you will not have my mind. I am covered by the blood of Jesus. My name is in God's book. And I am going to be like Abraham. Whether I feel God, see God, or sense God, I am going to be faithful. I praise you, God. Let your delivering power be upon all of our lives. In Jesus' name. Now put your hands together. Give Him thanks. Come on, everybody. Thank everybody, come on. Act like He heard you. Yes. If you need additional prayer, somebody's waiting to pray for you. But we'll sing before we go. If you need prayer for anything, step out. Exercise your faith. Come. Somebody pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Raise your hand one more time. Sing with me. Sing, everybody.